Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. It's Monday, August 10th. We have a special show for y'all today, one I know you'll be excited to dig into. Joining us today, Terry Kaler. He's a certified executive coach and a retired technology executive in Austin, Texas. He has a very strong track record of developing leaders and helping organizations achieve their objectives. And as a sales and operations expert, he led businesses and functions for Fortune 500 technology companies across the globe. In addition to his coaching practice, he guest lectures at the University of Texas on international business and on intercultural management. You can find him on Twitter at T-B-K-A-H-L-E-R. He's also an accomplished photographer and active philanthropist. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you, and I'm really happy to be here. It's a great Monday here in Texas, um, another 100-plus degree day, so I'm delighted to uh, to be here with you guys. We're so glad to have you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks you for having on. So, Terry, that, that's quite the pedigree, and uh, I know that our listeners, myself included, are very excited to hear from you and somebody with your experience in the space. Um, a good way to tip it off is tell us a little bit about what you do, how you really get started, um, particularly when it comes to coaching or mentoring. So, you know, coaching is all about objectives. You know, if you think about a personal trainer or a fitness coach or a nutritional coach, they're trying to help whoever they're working with achieve some sort of outcome. So my first conversation with someone is what outcome are we trying to achieve? And most of the time, it's around their career, their goals, their ambitions. In some cases, it's about a path to retirement. You know, and a lot of times we think about the outcomes as short term, but the short term always leads to the long term. So I like to focus first on the long term. Where are we going? What's the journey? What sort of things are you trying to accomplish? Then we start looking at gaps. So the first thing is about the career ambition, the goal, you know, the long-term steps, those kinds of things. That's a really strong point right there. And that's something I personally struggle with a lot. And I would bet most people do. (laughs) You get so focused on the day-to-day. It's so hard to zoom out and think, okay, what am I doing in the long term? What am I what are, what are my goals three years, five years, you know, 15, 20 years from now? It's really great so, to have that perspective. Yeah, and I have a, a short story to tell you. I had a client the other day who uh, we, we had our kickoff session and I went through that spiel, you know, hey, how's your financial position? Have do you have a life plan? Do you have a family plan? Do you have a financial plan? You know, where are we going here? How does career contribute to all those things? And he says, oh, my God, I haven't really thought about that. And he says, hold on a second. And he texted his wife and he says, honey, we have to talk tonight. (laughs) 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 We got to chat tonight because we got a lot of things to plan. And what happens um, on, on many cases is, you know, we go through our 20s and we sort of meander and we take on jobs. We don't really know what we want to do yet because we don't know what we like. We find a couple of threads that, that, that resonate and maybe we go that direction and then maybe we change course. And that's okay when you're in your 20s. But all of a sudden, you know, you get to be 30 and you get to be 35. You have kids, you have college, you have, uh, you know, all these things that are hitting you. And then you turn 40 
and you realize that you're halfway through your career and that if you haven't spent time planning, if you haven't spent time earning money, that you know, you're not going to be able to do anything at 70 unless you want to you know, be a greeter at Walmart. So you got to earn all your money early so that you can compound the interest so that you can grow that portfolio to eventually arrive at where you want to be. And there's, there's an article on my website about how to plan for that. And, uh, and it's really critical that we start early. Compound interest. Awesome. Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, right. so many of us live on cash flow. You know, we get a paycheck and we can fit a car payment in there. So we go buy a car or we can fit a little bit bigger house uh, because the payments fit the cash flow. So it all works out well. But the reality is we should be focused not on cash flow, but on net worth. Because when you have cash in the bank or investments and you're investing them wisely, they will grow. And the more they grow, the more interest or the more dividends you get, the more those grow and so on and so forth. So if you take a dollar when you're 20 and you invest it, you know, by the time you're 65, it's going to be worth a lot. And so if all you focused in on is cash flow and you spend that dollar and then you earn another 20 cents and you spend that, you're not accumulating wealth and you'll get to the point where you're 35, where your assets are worth less than your liabilities. And that's negative net worth, not good for retirement. So that's really interesting in general, not not the, the umbrella sort of focus on compound interest and earning wealth early and then building it. Um, for somebody like me, I'm always looking at those numbers very closely. But the, the idea that coaching and the way that you see coaching is very slanted on that. You figure out what your future state looks like and then make sure that your plan actually builds into it. That's that's actually really interesting to me. Yeah, it makes and, sense. Well, it wasn't like the end of the day. Oh, it's like well, I want to win a national championship. How do I do that? Exactly. How do I train to get there. Exactly. I thought that and, was a money joke. <laughs> well, and and so then to to that to that point, you know, once I understand where we're going, and once I understand the turn by turn directions that we yeah. need to take to to make that plan happen. Then I can help them understand, well, what are your gaps? You know, what, what sort of experience gaps do you have? What sort of competency gaps do you have to achieve those roles to get there? And, you know, if you have a short runway and you're far behind, you need a hockey stick in your career. You need to go from like senior manager to director to senior vice president in a short amount of time. You're going to have to increase the value of your brand. That means that we got to work hard on some of these gaps. If, however, you've done a great job of planning and you've got a really nice path, maybe we can have fun in our work and you know take some jobs that are less demanding on time and less pressure. And so if I don't understand where they're going, I can't really help them with their development, which is what sure. I'm all about. You know, I'm here to, to help them grow and to help them develop skills that they didn't have before. And that's my area of expertise is how to take someone who is uh, for lack of better words, deficient in, say, executive presence or deficient in communication skills. If those are their gaps, I can help them. But I don't know the value of that gap until I know the direction. Terry, I would be really curious to understand because I I have various people in, in my career that, um, one, have either been mentors to me or that, or that I mentor directly. And I, I've, the term that I use every now and then is, is that, you know, 
we need to know what you want to be when you grow up. Mm -hmm. This will happen for a lot of the younger guys that just honestly, just straight up do not have a plan. In fact, ironically for myself, I recently moved into a new role, which has been a goal for mine for probably a decade. And, and when I moved into it, I told my, my new boss, I said, you know, it's great that I'm here and it's great that we're going to figure this out, but now I, I don't know what my next move is. Uh, mm -hmm. It's uh, you know, immediately you know I, I've achieved this thing. I don't know how to get there. So I am wondering how often do you get a client, someone who you're helping that just doesn't have a sense of what they want to do or how often, you know, they haven't made that call to their wife. Uh, yeah. Just curious how common <laughs> that is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, Russ, I think it's 90%. And, and not just at the lower ranks, all the way up to, I have senior vice presidents that haven't thought through this. And so, you know, the problem is that a lot of times we feel wanted because somebody comes to us and say, hey, Russ, would you mind taking this job? And you go, well, of course, you know, you're asking me to come onto your team and I feel honored and I feel a sense of obligation to accept that. Well, let's say that that's not part of your turn by turn directions. And all of a sudden you took a job. Now you have a two year obligation to that job. You're 45 and it doesn't play into your plan. You just wasted two years of your plan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the analogy I use is, you know, if, if you go down the road and you've got your your ways or Google Maps or Apple Maps and you, and, and you make a wrong turn. What does it normally say? Recalculate, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we have to recalculate that long-term plan now because you took that turn. So either you have to work longer or you have to reduce your lifestyle to accommodate for that turn. Now, that turn's fine if you're okay with that outcome. So a lot of times when, when I talk to people and I go, well, how many recalculates can you afford in your career? And if you can afford a bunch, go have fun, you know, go do things and, you know, get called into situations that are, that are exciting and fun and challenging. But if you can't afford all those recalculates, then, you know, you got to think twice about it. Sometimes you have to say no. And I said no. I said no several times in my career just because it didn't fit that plan. Yeah, it's very interesting. <clears throat> just the, uh, especially, you know, because it, I think the key thing I'm taking away from that is it doesn't really matter what level you're at. It matters where you're at uh, in, in that journey more so than, than realistically anything as far as you start planning your next decision or you make your, your longer term plans. And it's probably a way that most people, myself probably included, that don't really think that way. It's more so about that, uh, you know, what am I, what am I going to do next? What's the thing? Yeah. That's even the question I just posed. What am I going to do next? So yeah. it's definitely an interesting perspective. Yeah. And next should be the precursor of next. So if you have a, if you have a, let's say you want to retire at 53, which is the age I retired at. Um, the next for me every time had to make sure that I didn't extend that date. So that next move led to the next move, which led to the next move. And if you get any of those out of kilter, then it's, you know, you're going to end up with a, a, a rehash or a recalculation of that, of that end date. Okay. Let's, let's talk about uh, sponsorships versus mentoring versus coaching versus anything else that is kind of synonymous between those. How do you differentiate which is more appropriate? And then I'd like to to jump from there, one of the problems I want to help solve for our listener base as we um, have talked to many of them is how do they get plugged into a mentor or a coach or mm -hmm. like, where do they even start? Yeah. yeah. 
good good question. And I would add counseling and therapy to that list too, because they're all yeah, kind yeah. of on the same wavelength. Um, it's a very good question you ask because the um, a lot of times people say, well, I, I need mentoring. Okay, well, mentoring is different than coaching. So if, let me give you a, a real life example. So I'm more like your personal trainer. I'm more to help identify your style, your 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 frequency, the number of reps you're using, the the technique you're using, and 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 to push you to get to that point. A mentor would be more like somebody who knows about it, who can tell you about it, but it doesn't have the same level of rigor that a coach would have to achieve that outcome. And and, and a sponsor really should be your manager. In fact, I'm about to uh, publish an article on inspirational leadership that talks about the manager should be the sponsor and advocate. You shouldn't have to go to a third party to get sponsored in your company. The manager or your boss should be the one promoting you and the boss should be the one advocating for you and giving you opportunities for visibility and all those kinds of things. And I, I always keep you know, hearing, well, who's your sponsor? Well, it should be your manager. It shouldn't be, shouldn't be someone else. Now, you can have multiple sponsors, and that increases your odds of, of getting ahead. Uh, but, but you, you have a manager who is your sponsor. You have a mentor who can give you advice. You have a coach who has the rigor, the techniques, and the methods. And then beyond that, we all have our psychological elements, uh, which sometimes require medical. And coaching is very much on the line between coaching and counseling. Uh, because we are born with a set of preferences. We get gifts from our parents, both good and bad, that make up who we are for life. And, you know, we get angry easy, or we talk a lot, or we're introverted, whatever those traits are, came from our DNA. And a lot of times, you know, I, I get into situations where I get in with a client and I go, whoa, whoa, this is, this is uh, you know, beyond coaching. And, and I'll recommend other means to, to, uh, to help. Uh, but all these have kind of blurry lines. Now, coaches come in two flavors. I call it the academic side, people that have PhDs in psychology, and they've got, you know, sort of the people side of things that come from HR a lot of times. And then you have the executives who turn into coaches. Now, I have to learn the psychological side. And the psych psychologists or the, the, the ones that, that, that focus more on the human nature uh, have to learn the business side. And what you get with a coach like, like myself who has the experience, you kind of get a mentor coach where a lot of times the HR people, you're going to get more of a psychological coach. And so you, you have to pick what flavor you want. Uh, and by the way, chemistry and coaching is paramount. If, 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 if there's no chemistry, it's like dating. You, you don't want to be in that relationship. And that goes both ways. Sometimes I've gone with a client who wants to pick me and I'm like, you know, dude, it's just not, I don't feel it. You know, it's just, it's not there. And so, you know, all that's uh, super important. It's interesting. I feel like you would even potentially be <laughs> teaching someone a lesson, even in that interaction. To be able to say no, I don't think this is going to work. This isn't this isn't the right thing. You you probably need to to go find someone else. I saying no it's is something I personally. Enough. It, yeah, exactly. it's hard having the right one. 
especially when you're getting paid for it, you know, when, when it's, <laughs> when it's cash, you know, how often do you say no to someone that's wanting to give you money, but it, it's in the best interest of the person. And, you know, if my skill set or my background or my personality or whatever, uh, doesn't, doesn't coincide with what they're looking for and they force fit it because they like what I say, yeah, that's just not going to be good for that person. Russ, I think Absolutely. you had a... I did, yeah. Just, my daughter just walked in the room. She wants to join the podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is the joy the joy of COVID. You know, we've, we've learned about everybody's families, about everybody's surroundings. It's, uh, it's provided, and I've, I coach a lot of people, and it's provided everybody a more personal, less rigid uh, personality. And, uh, and you know, there's, a, there's been a lot of benefits that I think we overlook, and I think that's one of them. Absolutely. It's my daughter joins calls all the time, at least for the, for the first two and a half, three months that, uh, that I would, that I kept her while she now goes to my mother's, but, um, for a while she was staying here with me. And so she would be on this futon that's behind me in my office, jumping up and down while I'm, you know, on the phone with a customer and she'd be falling off and they'd be like, is she okay? I'm like, yeah, she's fine. This is, this <laughs> she's is fine. what she does. <laughs> the, the, the question that I had was, uh, you know, as a, a mentor coach yourself, I'd be really curious to understand what maybe one of your previous mentors or coaches really kind of provided you. Was there a pivotal moment or or thing that you learned through someone else that really helped you in your own career? Yeah. And, you know, having mentored a lot of people and, and having been mentored, um, it's an invaluable relationship. And let me give you the the number one benefit of mentoring is shadowing. And when you pick a mentor, your mentor should always be on your path. So let's say you're, uh, you're in sales and you wanted to go into operations. You know, picking a mentor in sales isn't going to help you that much, but picking a mentor in operations is going to help you a lot because you'll learn the requirements of the job, you'll learn the expertise needed to be successful, uh, you'll have somebody that can guide you and help you in the technical aspects of that transition. And um, if you're nice to them, you can say, hey, can I shadow you for a day? Can I learn what your job's all about? It's a bit of a try and buy. And if you can, if you can shadow somebody for a day, then you will learn uh, the decisions that are made. You will learn the interactions that are being had. You will learn what that person, um, you know, how they handle their job, their, 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 their BMS and, and how they are, uh, you know, dealing with so many things all at once. So you get to learn a lot. And my recommendation is if you do have somebody that's, that's your mentor or advisor, and you do get a shadowing opportunity to always schedule like a 30 minute session at the very end of the day, where you can ask questions. Hey, I noticed that when you talked to John, you said these things, or you made this decision without any information. You know, how did you do that? And that's how you really learn. You don't learn just by observing. You learn by observing and then having an opportunity to interact. And so that's that's a real good opportunity. So if, if any of you are mentoring and not having that session at the end of the day, I think you're losing out on some value in your mm. in your mentoring relationship. Russ, do y'all have mentor programs at SHI? Mentor it's funny you you ask. We've we've talked about it many times. Uh, you know, in my role, I definitely help to mentor various SEs uh, around the country, and, and it's mostly informal. I do have some that are extremely extremely formal, meaning we have set times that we speak. But we do have you know the ones I would say over the last two or three years where we've been working together. 
I do have a significant amount of conversations at the end of the day, uh, either discussing what someone else did or, or what I did. And that was not actually planned. So it's interesting that you point that out because it does, it does sort of, it opens my eyes a little bit to something that we're both doing and not doing, but we, we don't have it necessarily formalized. I think we, we sort of encourage uh, one, my role to do it. And then two, just for people to embrace and go get mentors. We actually, I actually spoke at our conference maybe two years ago where we were talking about the idea of mentorship and, and encouraging people to go out and, and seek them both internally and externally. But we didn't have a formalized program, which we have talked about before. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it's, it sort of happens, but it's, it's mostly informal at times. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, are afraid to ask. For they are. I don't know if they make it makes them feel weak or whatever. I've had I've had many. Um, mostly it does. they've been I, external in my career. I'll, I'll I'll say Russ that I've heard that feedback before that um, especially in technical fields, you know, and I've run very large um, uh, coding shops and and uh, software engineers, hardware engineers, and the value that a technician or a technology oriented person has is their knowledge. And if you somehow admit that your knowledge isn't enough and that you need help, then that that level of vulnerability show feels like it shows a weakness. When in fact it's the other way around. Shows a it's, strength. It's actually, it actually shows a strength because you're you're you have the courage and the humility to go forward with that. And when you do that, you're showing strength. And so a lot of times in in, in our technical world, um, we, you know, we're more introverted. We we talk less. We we tend to ask for help less often. It's only when we're completely stuck that we'll ask for help. And I think we need to push more of that belief that it's okay to ask for a mentor. It's in fact, you know, I just I'm baffled that every professional in every corporation doesn't have a coach and a mentor. You know, you think about professional athletes. You think mm-hmm. about all these people that do these incredibly difficult things don't have coaches. You know, they make, they make billion dollar decisions without coaches. They make, they make, you know, critical path elements without training. I mean, how often as we moved up our ladders, did we get training on delegation? Did we get training on, uh, you know, executive presence? Did we get training on uh, influential skill sets? And we don't, we just figure it out. Well, imagine Tom Brady just figuring it out. Would he have been a successful or pick your athlete? Would that person have been a successful without instruction, coach, rigor, mentorship, et cetera? Um, and, and, you know, it's the answer is no, they wouldn't have been. And Absolutely. there's, there's been several articles uh, that I've read on how professional athletes mentor each other. You know, you take a Michael Jordan who's mentoring folks, you take, you know, a, a Jack Nicholas who's mentoring folks, et cetera. And I think it's our obligation to reach down to those that are coming up and ask them, hey, you know, do you have a mentor? And would you, would you mind if I helped you? Uh, you know, who would say no to a senior member of a team reaching down saying, yeah. you know, hey, what, can I help you? Absolutely. You know, if you have any worth, you would say yes. You know, it's, it's funny. We, we actually had a conversation about this with our senior leadership team recently. Uh, and we're pretty good about creating an environment. If, if any of you are familiar with Simon Sinek, he's a leadership author. He has this, this term called psych- psychological safety. And we, you know, it's, 
the idea that you feel safe to be able to pr- provide feedback or or to say what you you believe needs to be said without repercussion within your organization. And we do a pretty good job of it. In fact, we have a we had a survey recently that proved that we had a, we do a pretty good job of it. But for our leadership team, it wasn't good enough because it wasn't everyone. And we are constantly working on trying to understand a better way to make people feel as though in an environment like you mentioned with a bunch of technical engineers that they can they can come forward and say what they're feeling or what they think or provide feedback when they don't think something is being done correctly. And it is a it is a very difficult thing to do because yeah. of that cultural element of I think everyone feels as though they need to be the, the smartest guy in the room. In fact, I'll, I'll yeah. tell you my original well, it boss. Too. It does feel dangerous. If you, yeah, it absolutely say, well, this, feels dangerous. Well, yeah, go ahead, so, Billy. You got another part. No, I, I, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt your story there. It just feels dangerous to uh, to kind of open up the floodgates of okay, if anyone has any problems with anybody here, say something now. Yeah, it's well, my boss when I first got into the pre-sale side of of our business. He told me it was the worst advice ever. I I, I love you, Jim. Um, you were great, but this this was a bad moment. Uh, <laughs> it, he said, uh, "The only thing I need you to do is to be the smartest guy in the room everywhere you go." Mm. And <laughs> I tried that for about two years and failed miserably. I don't think I was the smartest guy in the room a singular time uh, anywhere that I went. And so I, I eventually realized that that was not the appropriate thing for me to do. The appropriate thing for me to do was to be the person that helped people work through the conversation that solved their problems. And that's two very different things. But I think too many guys in our industry get caught up with trying to be the smartest guy in the room, which is a very difficult task uh, you know, to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And you would never want to let anyone know that you're not the smartest guy in the room is the mentality that I feel a lot yeah. of the time. There's a book called Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. I've read it. It's great. Yeah, it's a great book. It it talks about our role as, you know, as as cloners of genius, if you will. So that if we do know something and we are experts in a field and we have a team below us, that our job is to sort of copy and paste that onto our team. And and a lot of times in technical jobs, we don't do that. You know, again, our worth is our is is, is our knowledge. And if we share our knowledge, then we feel like our worth is diminished, and diminished, it's actually yeah. the opposite. Yeah. So, it's a good point. I wanted to uh, maybe maybe it's been obvious through this conversation, but just another quick call out to the concept of having somebody that's external to the business that you're in, and that's one of the values that having an external coach like Terry can bring. Um, being able to go and have very candid conversations or very. Um, um, Blanking on the word here, but just you know, objective. You, you, yeah, very. Yeah, thank you. Very objective and just very open. Like, hey, I really have no idea what I'm doing here, or you know, I have a major problem yeah. with this well, coworker or place, something. Maybe. Yeah, somebody. That, well, it's that, it's exactly. yeah, it's the only safe place. And you know, if you think of yourself as a product, and you think of your cus- company as your customer. Everything you say and do with that customer is going to either increase your brand or decrease your brand. You know, if you yell and scream, it's going to decrease. If you say something brilliant, it's going to increase. And so the only safe place to have a discussion like that a lot of times is with your coach because the coach isn't tied to the company. The coach is, is, you know, that conversation is confidential. And so it's really important to have that because if you go to, if you go to talk to HR, if you talk to your boss, you're making a brand impression and all of a sudden is that increasing or decreasing your brand? 
Okay. Yeah, strong point. Very strong, strong point. point. Help you uh, develop your Always own personal on product brand. roadmap. Always be on brand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're always interviewing. You're always all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, okay, so we have to wrap this up. Um, if anyone is interested, again, reach out to, to Terry on Twitter at T-B-K-A-H-L-E-R. Or you can reach him online, www.tkahler. Uh, there's no B on the uh, the dot .com address. So Correct. That, uh, that about does it. We might have to, based on the feedback, we might have to have you back here. Absolutely. Um, no problem. Maybe a longer session. It sounds like you've got plenty <laughs> to talk about. And we well, if you, uh, if you need more short-term, there's a whole bunch of articles on that website that uh, Aaron just yeah. uh, spelled out. That talk about a lot of these subjects, whether it's retirement, personal product management, uh, you know, influencing skills, et cetera. So it's all free. And I'm here. I'm here to give back. I've learned a lot. I've, I've earned a lot. And I'm here to give back to our communities. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge with us, or at least a, a short bit of it. Um, I certainly look forward to reading through the the website that you shared, and we definitely thank you for your time. Terry, thank you so much for joining us today. Great. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, Aaron. I really enjoyed it. And that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close, y'all. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed talking about it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And we will talk to you on Wednesday.